Dear friends in Christ, it was May 1940. The Allied French and British troops had been badly defeated by the German forces in the Battle of France. Around 350,000 soldiers, including the entire British army, were backed up against the sea at the port of Dunkirk on the coast of France. And they knew it. They were sitting ducks. They were certain to be wiped out at any moment. 350,000 soldiers, far too many to evacuate by sea. British planes could easily come and bomb the troops from the skies. It was a, it was a dire situation. The British commander at Dunkirk issued a three-word message to the people of England. What were those three words? It was a code. And people of the word knew what it meant. He issued this message, but if not, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, it was a reference to the three Hebrews in the book of Daniel who refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's image, saying, The God we serve is able to save us, but if not, we will not bow. It was a message of courage and defiance against impossible odds. Well, the King of England issued a call for prayer and a call for help. The weather forecast suddenly changed and grounded all the German planes. And soon nearly 800 fishing boats and yachts and merchant vessels joined the British Navy and made that trip across the English Channel over to France to ferry those soldiers back to safety over tense, some tense days. To this day, it's called the Miracle of Dunkirk. And it turned certain annihilation of those troops into hope that maybe, maybe they could come against the German forces again and win. Apparent victims lived to fight another day and eventually, we know, emerged victorious. It's a story that defines and inspires the British nation to this day. In the same way, many of the stories of the Bible define and inspire us as Christians. They explain our heritage. They remind us of who we are. And they guide our steps as we move forward in our faith with Christ. This Bible miniseries that we're going through these weeks in March presents a vast variety of Bible stories as kind of a unified whole with a consistent theme of God's redemption all the way through. The stories that, that we will make references to this morning are stories that remind us, I'm sure, of the feeling of those soldiers at Dunkirk with their backs up against the sea, feeling that they had no hope the Israelites at that point in history had been reduced to nothing, to rubble, to victimhood. 
we could say, by the forces of Nebuchadnezzar. But God had a plan, as he does with every one of us. His plan was to work out their salvation and to work out our salvation in such a way that turned them and us from victims to victors. And we need to believe that God has that in store for us as well. The story we're going to focus on first this morning is the story of of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. It teaches us that we can be victorious because there is a God in heaven. Daniel, of course, was one of the many thousands of exiles that were forcibly taken from their homes in Israel, from Jerusalem mainly to, uh, to Babylon, where King Nebuchadnezzar reigned. And the kingdom of Judah ended at that point by that nation of Babylon. But though he was more than 500 miles from home, and he was among people that didn't understand and worship the same God, Daniel's story was just beginning. He became, as we have read, an advisor to the king himself, who had tried to make victims of himself and his people. The king asked Daniel to not only interpret his dream, but tell the king what his dream was. And he did it. Daniel replied, No wise man or enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. That was the response. There is a king. There is a king in heaven, Daniel says. A king that reveals mysteries. And because of that truth, we here today, 2,000 years later, or I should say longer than that, don't have to be victims. We do not have to resign ourselves to our current circumstances any more than Daniel did. Now, you may feel today that your situation is impossible. But there is a king in heaven, as Daniel said. You may be burdened by some kind of sickness or sin, but there is a God in heaven. You may see no way to improve your dead-end marriage or your dead-end job or your dead-end supposedly life. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God who reveals mysteries, who can redeem our past, and who can give us boldness and confidence for the future as well. But that's not all. Daniel's story is our story in another way as well. I can be victorious today because my God is able to deliver. If we moved on to chapter 3 in the book of Daniel, we hear that story of the golden image the king had made. It was about 90 feet tall, as tall as a nine-story building. And he issued a command that everyone in the kingdom was to bow down to that image. And everyone did except for the Jews, three especially, whose, Babylo- or whose uh, yeah, Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They didn't bow down. And that's where we pick up the story when Nebuchadnezzar summoned the three of them to him and he says, Is it true that you do not serve my gods and will not bow down to this image of gold? If you do not worship my image, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand, he asks. Well, one of the three Hebrews responded with these words. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. We will continue to serve our God. We will not bow down to the God that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar became furious, it says, and he ordered his strongest soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he threw them into a blazing furnace. You and I are sometimes in the same type of situation. Though we are children of God, that doesn't mean that we are exempt from difficult situations. We, too, sometimes have to decide between compromise and commitment and conviction. We, too, can be victorious because, as they told the king, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that fire, and the royal advisors crowded around them, we read, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. In fact, not a hair on their heads had been burned. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent an angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Then the king, it says, promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, this story isn't to tell us that we are guaranteed never to have any injury or pain in life. But we do have some promises that we do need to hold on to today. One is from Psalm 34 that says, The righteous will cry out, and the Lord hears them and will deliver them from their troubles. And let's remember the faith of these three Hebrews when they said to the king, God is able to deliver, but if not, like those three code words from the British commander, but if not, we still will not bow down to your idol. So I suggest this morning that the victory of this, in this whole story is not when they came out of the fiery furnace without being burnt at all. That wasn't the moment of victory. The moment of victory came that when in confidence they believed that God would be with them and obeyed him no matter what. You and I can have that same kind of confidence today because God is able to save and deliver us as well in whatever way he chooses. He was able to save Noah 
and his family from the flood. He was able to save the whole nation of, of uh, or the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt, where they had been slaves. He was able to save the kingdom of Israel from the Philistines and the Moabites and the Edomites and so on. And he is able to deliver us now, even today, from the enemies that would come against us. So, I can be victorious. First, because there's a God in heaven. Then I can be victorious as well because I know that God is able to deliver, as the three Hebrews found out. And finally, I can be victorious today because my God sends help. Years later, after Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon had been conquered by a new king and a new empire, Daniel was still serving there in the royal courts and still faithfully praying to God three times a day, in fact. But others in the court resented Daniel. He not only still had influence in the government, but that influence was increasing. So these officials plotted against Daniel and convinced the king whose name was Darius, to proclaim a 30-day period in which no one could pray to anybody else except the king. Even the decree at that point, uh, even though Darius uh, signed that decree, Daniel kept praying three times a day. So the king, though he liked Daniel, and had plans to promote him, had to enforce his own law. And as a punishment, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den overnight. And they thought he was a goner. It was a little over a week ago that we heard on the news that a young woman in California had been mauled to death by a lion where she had worked for quite a long time, working with the lions. But on that day, when she was there working in that game refuge, she was very quickly mauled to death by a lion. It doesn't take long for a lion to kill if they want to. The king knew that as well, and he didn't sleep very good that night after after, uh, Daniel had been put in the lion's den. So at the first dawn of light, the king got up and hurried to that lion's den. Where, And when he came to the den, he, it says he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And then he waited for a response. But Daniel did respond. He was alive. And he said to the king, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. The king was overjoyed, it said, and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Daniel said, My God sent an angel and shut the mouths of the lion. My God sent. Daniel was saved because there's a God in heaven who saw that circumstance and sent an angel. Yes, you and I sometimes have experienced that type of situation in which we know 
God sent something or someone to help us because something happened that we could not explain. And I've had many of you as members share with me stories of times in your life when you believe that there was an angel there helping you or keeping you from some type of danger. God still sends his angels. But God has sent someone even greater than an angel. He has sent his son to you and to me. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John 3.16 says. And so today I can be victorious over temptation and sin because God sent forth his son. I can be victorious over shame and guilt because God sent forth his son. And I can be victorious even over death and the devil himself because God sent his son to wash away my sins and wash away your sins. You and I don't have to live as victims, in other words, to the power of the evil one. We can be victorious today because there is a God in heaven who is able to deliver, a God who sent his Son to help us. So victory for us can be a reality today. We don't have to live as if we're victims. Praise be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord.